started today is the brand new parak of the last, the last chapter, Tafkuf Yud, test number 119. Yesterday was 118. We're going to do a review of yesterday's Tafkuf today. We are learning for Fush Lema, for Hadassah Basranya, for Amy Bastvara, for for Yehudas Basara, um, for Rachalea Basara, and for Yaakov Pinchas Ben Chayeta, those ones I know by heart. Okay. Then you have some more, I okay. know. One more, one more, I think I'm... Orly. Orly. Bas Esther. Bas Esther, for Shlema. Okay. Here we go, here we go. Uh, uh, support one. Yosef uh, Ben... Yosef Ben Minna. Minna. Okay. What? They know who need it, right. Okay, and we are starting at the Gemara, at the top of the page. Gemara the Mishnah. We had started the Mishnah. We, started, we had done Mishnah. the Mishnah. We did the Mishnah yesterday, the previous day. So, so uh, we should be able to start from the Gemara, but, but yeah, why not? Anyway, the point oh, is... Yeah, we're doing the review of 118, right. We're obviously going to start the new parak at the new parak, right. So um, on the review, so basically we saw... Um, in the Mishnah, yeah, fascinating scenario. We have two uh, two wives, co-wives. One wife says that we were on vacation and our husband died, and the other one said, "No, he didn't die at all. He's not. That's not true." Okay. So the rule is, we split the reality. The one who says that he died gets married. She gets a ksuva. She moves on with her life, and the other one stays um, stays. Un, uh, you know, un, you know, no marriage, no uh, no ksuva. Okay, that's the halacha. Okay. Anyway, so it sounds like it's because she says I, that he didn't die. That's why she doesn't go. Uh, she doesn't. None of this happens. But what if she was quiet? It sounds like she would be able to get married. But I thought a, a co-wife can't testify to the co-wife, so she anyway wouldn't be believed, even if she's not denying what the other one's saying she should uh, be not allowed to marry. And the Gemara says, you're absolutely correct about that. But there's an added component of Chidush when she, on this case where she says that, no, he did not die, that uh, we might think that we should just discount it completely when she denies the fact that he died, um, because really he did die. And the only reason why she said he didn't die is because there's such a rivalry, a hatred between the co-wives that you say A, I say B. And even though I know it's true that he died, but I don't want you to be able to move on in your life and get married and get Yuxuva, so I'm going to deny it just to mess you up. So that's the, um, you know, get along so swimmingly. Anyway, so uh, basically the bottom line is, uh, is uh, right, even though it's ruining her own life, but that's never, you know, anybody who understands hatred knows that, uh, that uh, that's never the point, that you have a better life. It's only that the other person has a terrible, and that's the satisfaction. So uh, that's the Tamos Nafshi and Plishtim motto. Anyway, fascinating uh, Musar Shmuz. But anyway, enough. That's the story. Anyway, the halacha is we don't assume that. We assume that she, we take it at face value that she actually believes her husband not to be dead. Uh, we don't assume the hatred's that bad. Okay. Next, uh, we said if, one, if, if there's a conflict in the story, one says that he died, natural means, the other one says that he was killed. So, um, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir says you can't accept any of this because they're contradicting each other. So why in the ratio don't we say that Rabbi, that Rabbi Meir would say also that they're contradicting each other and therefore we have to throw it all out? 
you understand the question. Where is Rabbi Meir talking in the first case? One says he's dead, the other one says he's alive. That's even more different, and he doesn't seem to be arguing. So um, we have two answers. Rabbi Lazar's take is, is that you're absolutely right, that Rabbi Meir would argue in the first case. It's only going according to the other opinion of Rabbi Yud and Rabbi Shimon. And uh, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, 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 it could be that Rameir would even agree in the race. He says that the claim of low mace we disregard completely because we don't have a special believability only to say that the husband's dead. That's where we believe in Eid We don't believe in Eid when a person says that he's not dead. You understand? Fascinating idea. Um, and by Eidazisha, it's not called Ha'akasha, and that's the difference. Now, um, uh, we learned that if a, a, a one, one witness says that he died, the other one says that he didn't die, or a woman says that he died, well, another woman said he didn't die, we don't allow them to marry. So according to Rebbe Lazar, we're going to say this last part of the mission is going like Rameer, because Rameer says that when they're contradicting each other, we just have to throw everything out. And, uh, but according to Rebbe Yochanan, why, you know, it sounds like even, even it does say any woman, it, does, it would mean even a wife, even, even one of the wives. And uh, we we should throw it out, um, according to. So what's the story? So the Gemara says you're right. It's exactly uh, it is a bit of a difficulty in Rabbi Yochanan's take. Took us to the next Mishnah. Woman went with her husband to uh, overseas, and uh, she says, "My husband died." She can marry. She gets her ksuva. The co-wife, of course, is forbidden, and she's not able to get married. Uh, what if that co-wife is a Bas Yisrael and, she was, and the husband was a Kohen? So according to Rabbi Tarfon, she, now she's, her husband is still alive as far as she's concerned and she continues to eat truma. Okay, And Rabbi Kiva says that's no way. We've got to at least suspect, or at least there might be a truth to the fact that, uh, that her husband's dead. And therefore we can't let her continue to eat truma. She can't get married because we don't trust the co-wife completely, but we at least give it some credibility so that she should not be allowed to eat Juma. That's the, that's the point. What if um, she says that my husband died and then my father-in-law died, so we say she can marry, she gets ksuva, but the mother-in-law is forbidden because the testimony to a mother-in-law is not trusted. We don't, they don't have a good relationship, so we don't believe her. But if she, and if the mother-in-law is a Bas Yisrael, married to a Kohen, she continues to eat Shum, according to Rabbi Tarfan, according to Rabbi Kiva, uh, that's not a way to separate a person from sin. She has to be forbidden to marry as well as forbidden to eat Shum. Now, why do we have to talk about the case of the co-wife and the case of the mother-in-law? It's really the same thing and the same machlokis in both cases. So the Gemara explains that there's an added component. If we would just say the first case, co-wife, uh, rivalry, uh, rival wife is so is very strong, and the hatred is more. Uh, uh, there's more pain there, because uh, there's a constant. They're constantly they're living under the same roof, so that's a little bit different. So therefore, it's more likely that we would trust, uh, that we would distrust her vis-a-vis anything to do with the co-wife. Um, as opposed to the mother-in-law, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's not as strong, and therefore maybe he would agree with Rabbi Kiva that we should at least suspect it to be true to not allow her to eat truma. On the other hand, you could say that, that if we would just say the latter case, maybe only over there Rabbi Kiva insists that we've got to concern ourselves that maybe it's true, but in the other case, maybe not, and that's the difference. Okay, and therefore, uh, the bottom line, though, is uh, Rabbi Yudas, the name of Shmuel, 
between Rabbi Tarfa and Rabbi Kiva, the halacha actually follows Rabbi Tarfa, that we actually split the reality. We don't believe uh, that as far as the co-wife is concerned or the mother-in-law is concerned, we simply don't believe it to be true at all. It's like we have no information on that direction and we allow her to continue the truma. Um, that's, uh, that's at least how Shmuel Paskins. And Bayi says, the Mishnah says so as well, um, that if I have a son in Medina um, Siyam, and my son, the, meaning I got a son, there was no son before, but then, then I got a son, but he died before my husband. We trust her. Uh, but if it was the other way around, we, um, we, she's not believed to say that she does not need Yibam, but we are Choshesh and we require at least a Chalitza, not a Yibam. So it sounds like she is the only one that we're Choshesh to, but to the co-wife we do not uh, concern ourselves. And that's uh, and that's uh, and that's really a, 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 a like a an indication that uh, we basically disregard her vis-a-vis the the people who she's not believed she's not believed at all, and that's the idea. Okay. All right. Brings us to the next mishnah. So uh, we said that uh, interesting. Once we had this conversation, that's not the way to get a person out of avera. Rebekah's refrain. So we get into other ideas where Rabbi Kiva says the same thing. So if somebody marries one of five women, and uh, he's not sure which one, so he's going to have to give a get to all five. Um, but what about the ksuva? He owes a ksuva. So he just, uh, according to Rabbi Tarfan, you could just put the money of the ksuva between the five wives and say, look, whoever's the real wife should take this. It's not my problem that there's four liars over here. And, um, you know... And that's it. And leave it there. And then he's Yotze. According to Rabbi Kiva, no, since it may not end up in the right hands, so therefore you didn't fulfill your obligation, you need to give each of them the full ksuva. It's a very expensive ordeal, not knowing who your wife is, okay? In general. It's good, it's good to know. Okay. Another case in Mishnah is a case of Gezel. person stole one from one of five people, and you can't tell, and they're all claiming that they were the one that he stole from. So he just returns the gzela to, to the middle, and he says, whoever's it is, that's who it's being given to, and let them fight it out amongst themselves. And uh, that's enough for Tafram, but according to Rebekiba, that's not how you get out of an Avera. You have to do more than that. You have to pay the value of the gzela to all five of them. Okay, now, that's the Mishnah. Who do we paskin like? Um, so we paskin like... Um, um, I think we pass on like Rabbi Tarfan. That's what, I mean. I think it's the same thing. Okay. I think so. No, no, no. One second. Once again, hold on. Tio. No, no. It depends. You see, really, it really, it's the it's the the the, the it's it, we pass in like. Well, let's wait for the Gemara, because the Gemara says that the case uh, uh, sounds like a case of kiddushin, not a case of bia, All right. and then the case of gazel. And not a case of a purchase, and that we don't make any distinction. And that's where there's a machlokas as to what is the machlokas between Rabbi Tarfan and Bikiva. According to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, uh, Rabbi Tarfan and Bikiva would agree that in the case of Kiddushin, one of five women, you can just put the money in between because you re- didn't really consummate, have, the consummate the marriage, you didn't really harm anybody that bad. So then you could be more lenient and put the money between all five. And even Rabbi Kiva would agree to that. They're only saying, um, um, and uh, that, 
Um, uh, and but but in the case of bia, that's where we you know you have to give to each one of them because you already had consummated the marriage, so that's why you have to make sure. And the same thing with the if it was a case of a purchase, you could just put the money in between and walk off. But if it was a case of theft, then you have to make sure to give it to each one of the five people that might have been who you stole from. Um, and that is the psak. That's where the psak is. So it's it. it's split. It depends how bad of the thing is that you did, really. The problem with our mission is that it sounds like kiddish, and then it switches, which is the not not a bad thing, you know. And then and then it switches to the case of gezel. Uh, it should, it, it, kiddish should go with lokach with a purchase case, and uh, and baal should go with with Gezel case, right? So it's a little confusing. So the Gemara says, you're right, but the case of Kiddush over here is a case of Bia, and that's what's going on over here, that, that there's two levels. If you, even though Kiddush Bia is bad, but it's only rabbinically bad, it's not really that bad, Nevertheless, he's going to have to make a give a get a give a get and ksuva to each one of them, and the case of theft is daraisa, and even there, Rabbi Kiva is ta- is 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 mekel and says you could just put the money between the five people and whoever one who you stole it from, and Rabbi Kiva says no, you got to give it to each one of them. Anyway, the bottom line is we paskin like Rabbi Shimon Elazar's explanation, and that and that's the bottom line halach on that. Took us to the next mishnah, a woman. Who goes with uh, with her husband overseas, and they have a son. So as far as we're concerned, she has no mitzvah yibum going on, okay? Because she has a child. She comes back to her town, and she says, "My husband died, and then my son died." So we'll believe that because that's <coughs> going along with the status quo as 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 it as it stood. Um, but if she claims the reverse that her son died first and then her husband, so we don't believe her to say that she needs Yibum, enough to say that she needs Yibum, but we are cautious that maybe she is telling the truth, enough to require a chalitza before she could get married. Okay? Um, if she says that she went without any child, then she said, I had a child <coughs> overseas, but, my, but that child died before my husband, uh, who died afterwards, so we believe her because that's, again, maintaining the status quo as we knew it, because we knew that her to be childless when she left. Okay? But if she says, my husband died, and then, um, and then my son, so now she said she had a son, and he outlived, the, and therefore I don't need Yibam. So we don't really believe her, but we are choshesh enough to say that, not to do Yibam, but we'll do chalitza. Okay? Now, if she says, I had a Yibam overseas, uh, meaning my Mother-in-law gave birth to a, a boy overseas that you didn't know about. But, it, but in other words, but my husband was an only child up until then. So therefore, the status quo was that there's no mitzvah yibum. But now she's saying that they're both dead. So we'll believe that because the fact of the matter is, is that there's no mitzvah yibum regardless of the order. There's nobody to do yibum, right? The husband's dead. The, co- the, the, the brother-in-law's dead. It's, there's nothing to talk about, right? So... Um, so basically, um, we do believe that. But if she says that, um, that, that if, if, so um, if she says that the, we, we, we exp, uh, let's say she went with the Yavim, so we knew the Yavim to exist, okay? Um, and then they were, they were oh, and now she comes back from overseas and she says the order, that doesn't matter the order, she's saying that their Yavim's dead. We only believe her that her husband's dead. We don't believe her enough to say that her Yavim's dead and she's going to be forbidden to get married, okay? Um, um, 
so she is not believed. Okay? Um, again, in general, the believability is only regarding her husband, not regarding the other. Okay? Um, and that's and that's the story with that. Okay? Um, a woman is not believed about a Yavim being dead um, that, um, and th- that she's free to marry. She's also not believed to say that her sister's dead, that she can marry her sister's husband. And a man is not believed to say that his brother's dead, that he could do Yibam to his brother's wife. And he's not believed to say that his wife is dead, that he can marry his wife's sister. All those things we, we suspect there may be something going on and we, they lack uh, trust over there. Okay. So the Gemara on that, uh, Rava asked Rav Nachman a question. When is there a din? You know, in general, we look at a get as a negative uh, thing, and therefore, since it's a negative, you has to reach the hands of the woman in order for her to be divorced. You can't give it to somebody else to receive it on her behalf because it's you know, and and give it as a schus because it's not a schus. It's a negative thing. However, what if there's circumstances that indicate that it might be meritorious? Because there's a case of a yavam. She's going to be falling to the yavam. So we said that, um, that, uh, that our Mishnah seems to indicate that it could be that yavam, there's a negative hatred. And that's why we don't believe her when she says that he's dead. And it could be that, he, that she likes him. And therefore, we don't believe her where, um, you know, in, in, to say that, you know, basically, in either, we, we worry about both possibilities. And therefore, when it comes to Yavam, um, it's not necessarily a negative, And that's the Raya, that uh, we don't look at it as a schos. What about a case where they're fighting with each other? So, and he gives the get to somebody to receive on her behalf. So there's hatred. There's, they're, they're constantly you know, yelling and screaming and they're coming out of the house. So what's the halach over there? Does that consider it a schus or not? So we proved it from three, you know, basically the, uh, a bunch of rabbis. Rishalakish says that nevertheless, even a, a bad marriage is still a marriage and it's better than being lonely. Um, at least, you know, who else are you going to pick on? I mean, come on. It's, it's very it's, it's frustrating, okay? Uh, somebody you can vent on, it's a good thing, okay? Um, uh, and uh, Bayi says that even a, a husband who's like an aunt, uh, she sits with the married women, she has that, 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 that covered, there's a certain covered in being married, that's another quality. Um, even if he has a lousy job, um, it still uh, has, has some, some value to the woman, and uh, the last idea is, is that uh, even if the husband has questionable lineage, there's still, um, there's still some, uh, some food, whatever. The point is, there's something there. Um, it's at least you have some, there's, you could at least have some food in the pot. You know? So again, the uh, way I see it, there's, there's financial purposes for staying married, even in a bad marriage. There's... Uh, covered purposes, there's loneliness factors, emotional needs that are being met, even if it's not a good marriage. And therefore, in the end, we do look at this thing as a chov, as a generally, as a general story, we look at it as a negative, as a whole, and therefore, um, you cannot be mezaka to get to somebody else. Now, that being said, even though that's the end of the Gemara, I do want to point out an interesting halacha. If the woman, let's say, was secularly divorced, but she and she already has a boyfriend that she's active with. We look at that as for sure as chus, because 
as chos to give the get because right now she's living in sin with uh, this other man and that's for sure merit that she should be saved from that and therefore you don't need to give the get to her hands you can give it to somebody else to receive on her behalf and that would be sufficient and that's the halacha so anyway that's interesting and we'll stop the review here